This is Kevin Sipp, our project supervisor for the City of Atlanta's Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs, also an artist and creative in its own right, and you're listening to Studio Noise. Yes, it's the noise. Wherever you see or hear things being created, anything, you won't have to look too hard. You'll find black folks right there making paintings, making sculptures, making movies. We're making noise, baby. The sound of creation. That's what we love right here on the Studio Noise podcast, sponsored by NBAF, National Black Arts. Thank you so much for your support. It's your boy, Jay Barber, printmaker, artist, third-year grad student. I popped my head up from my thesis to bring y'all some of these episodes. So, you know what I'm saying? In the year off with a little inspiration, you know what I'm saying? Get us off on a good note as we wind down this crazy, crazy, crazy gear. Uh, no question of the week today. Uh, your boys, I, I've been in a little funk uh, for the last, I don't know, week or two. Yeah, so um, ever since I got the news that my man, uh, my mentor... My frat brother, my friend, Mr. George Knox, sculptor, artist, the amazing George Knox, uh, passed away um, before Thanksgiving of COVID. And so that, that hit, hit your boy kind of hard. It's been very, very hard for me to uh, to keep going. But, you know, I'm trying to maintain it and just get through this thing. And so there's no question this week. Uh, I, I don't. One day I'm going to tell you about George. You know, George was George was my man. He I got a lot of stories with George. He helped me out a lot, a lot, a lot as I was getting into this art thing. So I'm gonna tell you about him one day. I I, I don't have the words right now, unfortunately. Uh, but I'm gonna put it together. I'm gonna get my mind together, and I'll come back and I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely let y'all know about George. Uh, he was an amazing man. I'm I'm so sad uh, that he's not here with us. Um. But it's, it's a good thing because I, I did manage to come back to this podcast to just poke my head up from all the thesis work I've been doing. Uh, and it gave me a chance to reach back and, and reconnect to a lot of people. And that's what this episode is. And this episode, I'm so glad this episode was this week because I needed uh, to do that, to talk to another mentor of mine, another friend of mine, uh, the amazing Charlie Palmer, uh, getting to reconnect with him. I, I never got George on a podcast and that's something that I'm, I'm going to regret not making time and, and, and getting my man on a podcast and, and getting his voice and his stories. He was so incredible. Um, but I did get to get Charlie back on a podcast. And Charlie's been uh, very special to me, very important to my career. And it's just amazing to see him and him having a banner year for him in his career. He's getting all his just deserves from all the hard work that he put in. And so. That's the story of this podcast. It it helped me out. Um, it balanced me out. And uh, I'm glad. I'm glad we get to do this. I'm glad I'm taking the time archiving these voices for y'all. I'm glad we're having these conversations and, and getting them recorded, putting them in the archive. Because uh, if you say your name, they never forget you. You know, that's how, to, that's how I go. But anyway, 
So without further delay, I'm going to kick it to the interview. Short intro today. Kick to the interview. And right after the break, we'll be back with the amazing reconnecting with my man, Charlie Palmer, right here on The Noise. Right, it's Studio Noise. Your boy Jay Barber coming back at you. Glad to have the man back on the podcast, Mr. Charlie Palmer. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. Man. It's a pleasure to get back here, man. I was waiting for this phone call. Like maybe the brother ain't gonna call me back. Didn't do that well. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be back. <laughs> nah, that was up, man. I, was, I always be scared. It's like, yo, am I gonna be able to get back with Charlie? Charlie is like yep. being coming a superstar out here, doing all kinds of stuff, man. I'm working, man. <laughs> nah, that's what's up, man. And so I'm glad we got a chance to reconnect with you, especially like after all this time. Uh, I know with COVID and stuff, you know, it's, it's it feels like a good time to to go back and reconnect with everybody because maybe we're turning a corner, maybe we're not. But, you know, it's, it's kind of feel like an inflection point. You know what I'm saying? After the election and all the stuff that was going on, uh, now's the time to settle in and see where people are, how people are doing and get back to it, man. So right. it's good to hear from you. I'm excited about it, man. Yeah. So I know that before COVID hit, uh, one thing that we had talked about was you were taking a trip to Africa. I think that was maybe been one of the last times we had seen each other uh, in person. And so you did take a trip to Africa. And I I think you had a good old time over there, man. So tell me about that. Yeah, man. So uh, one of the things was, uh, I'm trying to think it was February, uh, the first month of February, I mean, the first week of February. Uh, uh, my wife now, um, it was my partner at the time. She always goes to South Africa to get the inspiration for her writing. And so she was going to spend a month and a week there. So she reached out and said, Hey, do you want to go? And I'm like, if I go this time, I want to do a, a, a longer period of time. So I went and spent the whole month of February, um, in uh, South Africa and, nice. and Joburg for the most part. Nice. That was up, man. So what'd you get into when you went over there? Like, first of all, now tell me about this, because the one thing I've always thought about is like the idea of going back to the continent. Right. It's always been like a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to like step off the soil and like kind of feel the land and all that kind of stuff. Like, what was it? Was this your first time going over there? No, actually, like I've been to uh, um, Guyana a couple of times. Right. And um, uh, the first experience is probably always going to be the most emotional and memorable period. But going to uh, Johannesburg and going to South Africa, I'd heard a lot. I, I I was curious to see. There's a lot of history that we've heard about because, you know, like vis- visible racism, you know, uh, apartheid is only what it, it, it ended in the last 25 years or so. So it's this whole reality that it might be in a very different place. They're still making their adjustment. Right. And that's not necessarily the, the, once you get there, you begin to see uh, like even the young people, like they, they call themselves, uh, listen, it, it, it's a term they use, born, they're called born free. They call themselves born free, meaning they were born after apartheid, so that that apartheid shit has nothing to do with them, mm. which I think is ironic tale, because it's like, you know what, 
uh, you know, the, the beauty, and I, that's one of the things that I, that I, I was so in, intrigued about, like listening to the podcast with Maurice and Grace, and Grace is talking about uh, having to address blackness uh, and never having to, when you're not here, uh, there's a lot less of that there. You know, so you're going around. And I, I think the way I navigate, perhaps the way I look, man, I look like a foreigner and everybody knows I'm a foreigner. Right. It's not necessarily an American, but it's like he's from somewhere else. And I know it's the, the, the full gray beard because the, the older cats in South Africa, they cut that beard off. <laughs> and the young cats who have a full beard is, 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 is blue-black. So that, that kind of navigating is beautiful. Uh, I had intentionally because, man, you know, you know my schedule, man. I, the yeah. way I work nonstop, and so there was an intention not to bring any art supplies with me and sh- and just chill, chill, eat right, work out as many days a week as I can. Learn this program called Procreate, which is a, uh, a an iPad tool for illustration. But uh, got into that, spent some time with that, but. At some point, like learned everything I could in the very beginning with that, and then literally came back here and never touched it again. You know, <laughs> like you never, never picked it back up. Never, never picked it up again. It was like, why the hell am I touching this thing when I can paint? Mm, and I right. love the feeling. I love everything that the experience of painting. And so, for a moment, I even like the last pad I had in South Africa turned around and gave it to one of my kids. So I was like, I, I don't need this thing right now. <laughs> and so now I have touched Procreate since uh, March. Which wow. Is when I returned. <laughs> wow. And I know you, we had talked about that a little bit that you were thinking about using Procreate to make some of your, your book illustrations like simpler or, or right. easier to submit. And so you kind of just. You know, it was. Right. If you think about it, I'm discovering more and more that I, I would say almost 50 percent of children's books that are done now, if not more, are done in some kind of digital form. Right. Photoshop, Illustrator, Procreate. And so I knew that I could travel or be anywhere in the world and do my assignments if I learned this Procreate. And so that was the intention. But I've kind of changed that now. I, I just it's like I just prefer to paint. So when you were over there, like kind of almost taking a break or like a vacation from like the regular, like your your art practice is intense. Like I describe it as that, like you paint all the time, you paint every day, try to do as much work with uh, as much time as you can. And so what what did that do to you? Like, what did it make you feel or did it just reinforce how important the art was to you? You know, actually, it was more important to realize how much life and living is to me. Mm. You know, that being still and, and spending time with your loved ones, that, that kind of message became more important and relevant to me than the art. But then uh, the, the demands, you know, is the, the constant demands of, your, uh, of, of my art, which is really a blessing. And it's like, so don't ever kind of like get the impression that I'm complaining. I know that I'm, I'm really in a fortunate and blessed place that the demand for my work is so great. But it's like, I'd like every time I look at my partner, it's like, Dave, uh, I'm, I'm going to really pull back from this. I'm going to pull back because I love children and I have not been spending enough time with my immediate family when it comes to my children, but I want to do more with children and black. Ch- I'm not sorry. Let's make that clear. Black children. We've made a commitment, uh, my wife and I, you know, we got to do things for black kids. And so um, um, I think being there reminded me of that, but I, I had made a lot of prior commitments. And then like you mentioned, man, it's like my, my life 
exploded when I came back, and there was a huge demand and it was huge exposure. And pe- because of that, there were a lot of people coming to me and and asking for um, requests, art, and everything like that. So it was a it was a good place to be, but it also created a great deal of stress for me. Mm, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, especially like when you get those like high intensity projects and we'll talk about a couple of them. I'm, I'm just going to mention them like uh, the time magazine cover. Uh, you did the cover for John legend's new latest album, bigger love. And uh, you've been finishing up some right. books too. So it's like, those, those are not like small projects. Um, like what was that part of your vision while you were over there? Like thinking about how, you can make it to the, I don't want to say it like a next level. Cause I consider you like a, a legend in the art game. Like you've been doing your thing and Thanks. supporting yourself for a long time. So I, I wouldn't say it's like a, the next level, but it is like an evolution of your work um, towards a more mainstream audience. I would say like, especially if you get right. into like right. time magazine, which is the ultimate <laughs> mainstream um, job uh, an illustrator can get. Right. You know, and, and, and the truth about, believe it or not, the Time Magazine and the uh, uh, the John Legend Project, those were little or no stress. Really? They were, because they were, they were coming to me for what I do. And it's like, what is more challenging is when people are coming to me to do that thing I do, but they have an idea in their head, whatever that is, whatever the hell that means. And so it's in my head trying to figure out what is it that they're looking for. Like, you know, because it's, 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 it's really great when people simply step back and let you create. But a lot of times they have ideas in their head as far as what that I, I do should look like. Right. And that's when it becomes, you know, so, so I mean, like those projects, they just, they were a breeze. They were a joy to do. Oh, man, that's amazing. So before we jump off of Africa, did you, where you, did you get a chance to like do anything with, with kids over in Africa? You know what? The, the last time I was there in South Africa, yes. This time, not so much because it was an intentional plan to chill. Right. And to the point where I was in feel, I was chilling, relaxing, meditating, and I had gotten to a point where I was like, I had, uh, uh, I had an opportunity to see a Sangoma, um, a spiritual advisor. Oh, say that, say that again. Was like, what was the name of it? Yeah, they call them Go Go's. Okay. And I went to see. I, I was planning on not seeing. No go. Um, only because I was processing a lot of stuff that was going on, and I'm like, I got this. And uh, I kept getting the pressure from a dear friend of mine here who had seen the uh, the go go and said, "You uh, you really need to go see her." And uh, so I kind of made an appointment. And uh, uh, it was the funny thing about it is that they're very very strict about you got to arrive at a certain time. You're only going to be seeing them for a certain amount of time. So have your questions ready, have a recorder ready, but you're going to come in, it's going to be 45 minutes and you're out. And so it's like, okay, all right. So the day of my appointment, man, I, I, I get over there and I'm like, I seem like I'm waking up the household. Like I, because <laughs> it's a security gate. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what the hell? What's going on here? So I'm like, okay, they're going to, and they're eating, it, eating into my time. Cause I know I was supposed to be here at nine and I got to leave at 10. <laughs> but, uh, what was pretty insane and amazing was to sit down with the original Go-Go and she had three other sisters that sat with her that would all kind of communicate while things were going on. But at one point she says, um, you, you know, your appointment is next month. And I'm like, 
oh damn. So I'm the one showing up like a month <laughs> early. And so I felt like an asshole right. I'm like, oh damn, wait a minute. Right. So I'm like, I see how strict you are. How why did you see me? And she said, because the spirit said you have to see this person. And she said, I never questioned the spirit. Mm. And we proceeded, we spent two hours. And it was like it's some insane messages. There were uh, experiences that they had. They, they, and I say they because they were communicating against, uh, between one another. And there were times I'm watching them react and stuff. I'm like, what? But like, well, she throws the bones and the stones and everything down. It's like, why are y'all reacting this way? And they're like, they had seen things that they had never seen from a, um, a Western man before or a man from America. And she said she'd seen it in women before, but they had never seen it in a man. But there were little things that people would normally want to know uh, when going into like something like this. It's like, uh, how long will I live? Or am I going to make any money? Or will my career change? And it's like, we immediately kind of talked all that out. And it's like, this meeting isn't about that. You already know. You know, you already know what's going on with your life. And you're going to have no problems there. She didn't say this is going to happen, that's going to happen, this is going to happen. But she said, you're on the right journey right now. But these are some of the things that you need to kind of be aware of, be conscious of. She was the one that said right, right out, like they looked at the uh, uh, the stones and they said, there's a powerful woman that's a part of your life. Uh, are you married? And I'm like, no, I'm not. She said, marry her. Wow. And I'm like, I'm like uh, I, I don't want to get married. She said, marry her. <laughs> And, all, and then the other women all chimed in, like, marry her. Yes, marry her. I'm like, what the hell? Y'all, come on, y'all. I'm like, I'm here to get some, some marriage advice. But no, it was one of those kind of things. She said, everything is in line, including your ancestors are telling you, they're communicating with you all the time about your journey and your role. And so that kind of thing that just kind of opened up my world. Because when I came back, literally two weeks after I came back, uh, the country was shut down. And uh, my career took off. Wow! Wow! That's that's uh, that's a crazy sequence of events. <laughs> you know, that's a, the only way to put it. Because it's like, like talk about that 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 kind of juxtaposition almost between like basically everybody being shut in, stuff locked down, no restaurants, COVID. You know, the threat of people dying in the streets. Um, but at the same time, you kind of experienced like this um, artistic catapult. You know, it, it, it was it's, it's a real uncomfortable thing at times because, like I've said to my wife and I've said to friends, I can have the most incredible high moment, like one of the biggest career changing things in my life. And an hour later, uh, a dear mentor has passed away. Mm. An hour after that, uh, a close relative just got laid off and they have no income. And then I get a, another call. I'm like, like, like you hear every day. It's like, this has been this, this month, like it's encapsulated. Like in one day, the events that have taken place are unraveling in one day. is kind of stuff that you'd experience in a year sometime. Wow. And I've seen that on over and over again to the point where when I get incredible news, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for what's going to happen. Mm. And so what I do is a practice every day now. Is I, you know, I like candles and I have an altar to my ancestors and I speak to them and I'm like, what is it that I'm supposed to do? 
Help me guide me to represent you in an honest light, uh, uh, to be true to you, to make you proud. Because I know that everything that has happened has happened because you've been there. And so it's really kind of having that conversation. So that conversation, and they've, they've, they've kind of like let me know over and over again, like those moments when you have this, this moment of inspiration, that's us. That's us saying, do that. That's us saying, and so when you listen, watch what happens. Mm. And so I'm learning every day to be obedient and to just listen. Now nah, that's that's awesome, you know. And that's a that's a great life lesson. Um, uh, me by way back in high school, we used to me and my boys used to call it balance. Like it was just the balance of karma would just come around. Like whenever mm-hmm. stuff get too good for you, like something is bound to happen just to to balance out the universe almost. Um, yeah. and, and it's a different way because I, I I think you're looking at it a little differently because overall it's still um meant to be in your estimation. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like mm-hmm. you're taking mm-hmm. like everything as everything is kind of a blessing and these situations just kind of arise right. and it's more or less a journey that you're on that you just got to deal with it. I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. But if you look at it, it's like, it's like there's always this awareness, like what is, what is it that I'm supposed to take away from this experience? Whatever that experience might be. What is it? I say like what I used to say, just, you know, God, what am I, to learn from this. It's very much about the ancestors. Now it's like, Hey, what am I supposed to learn from this experience? Like I had something that I'd never had before. And I was a, I had a possession at one point by myself where it was very clear because of what was being communicated to me, what tribe, and they said not tribe, but what, what people are you from? What people are you? And it, it told me some things. It was like, it, it's highly controversial as far as what I'm understanding. But then it's like, of course, this makes perfect sense. You know, it's like, a, a, yeah, but little things that I've learned and little things that I've done, yeah, it makes sense that, no, you were never meant to be, uh, I put in quotations, a Christian. That, mm. That's not a black man's uh, religion and belief. That was something that was introduced to you and you accepted. But it's like little things like that, they, they would tell me, they told me, but I'm, a, I'm from the Mindy tribe and the Mindy, Mindy people and say it with pride whenever you say it because you are African. You know, it was that kind of thing. It's like, okay, so my, the way I look at life after that has been totally different. Now, that's amazing. So like learning, learning kind of your origin, like I, I think I talk about it in my work a little bit the same way as that um, since when you don't have a tribe, you're constantly trying to piece together an identity for yourself. Um, what do you think mm-hmm. knowing kind of that information has done for you? I think there's a clarity. There have been a lot of clarity when it comes to what my mission is on this, this, this planet, on this plane, you know, like, and focus on that and be careful because there are going to be always people pulling it at you in all kinds of directions. So it's like, stay focused on what your course is. And if you are, be still, be in, be in prayer and meditation and watch what is revealed. I learned a long time ago, though, it's like, you know what, when I get out of the way of creating, even as an artist, the best stuff comes out of me. And when I realize that what's coming out of me is not me, the better they are. And the more I can really appreciate what's being produced is when I realize it's like, this is not me. I'm watching some stuff happen. I, I love it. I love watching stuff happen. And like, okay, I'm just gonna step back and I will be the vehicle. I will use my hands and my arms to swing and mix and everything, but I will listen to what you are telling me to do. 
I think part of that is also reflective in how I've heard you talk um, to other younger artists before about um, trusting themselves, like and following that intuition and not like over laboring. I think you, you said it before about painting. You would see artists, young artists paint the same area over and over and over. And one of the reasons why you're so fast and so good at what you do is because you just go in, you see it, you do it, you execute and you leave it alone. And move on to the next thing because there's no um, need to belabor it like when you trust yourself. So I think that mm-hmm. kind of sets the stage for this new thing that you have now where you can embrace it because you do have so much faith and trust in, in your intuition, in your artistic vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of times, especially when you're young, you're, you're overthinking. Um, and it is like trust what you're doing. And go back to it. Go back to an area that you're uncertain about um, uh, when you have a better, clear idea of where you're, what you're trying to do. But I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. Every always been about get your education. I've always said learn the rules so you can bend and break them. You know, so it's like, I, 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 and I always, even when it came to the idea, like and when people say I'm a self-taught artist, I say there's no such thing as a self-taught artist. You know, because you are always driven by the divine and the spirit and the ancestors, uh, even before you were aware of it. And so when you're doing something, you're, you're an amazing artist, a painter, it's coming from a place deeper than you. And when you realize that, I think you have a greater appreciation for what you're doing. That's for sure, man. There's always good stuff talking to you, man. <laughs> you always put that nice, nice perspective on top of stuff when you say it. I, so I appreciate it, man. So, t- so when you did come back, tell me what it was like, um, coming back and getting well how soon was it when you came back did you get uh kind of the first bigger project on your list okay well see like well, i mentioned a couple of things one thing that was really interesting was when i arrived in south africa on february the first they scanned my temperature and i'm like this is weird i was like i've never like seen this before this is like my third or fourth time in south africa and it's like They'd never scanned my temperature before. And so uh, that was interesting. and never thought of another thing about it until um, I got back here. And I got back here, and the week after I got back here, my, I had an opening in New Orleans, uh, Stella Jones Gallery. Yeah. And Stella, being practicing physician for over 50 years, she said, Charlie, no hugging and no shaking hands, anybody. I'm like, what? She says, listen, she said, I've been reading the uh, medical journals. And there's something going on here and they're not talking about it enough, but there's something and you have to be, and it was like, really, if you can imagine really odd to have people coming in and you're like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't hug. Like it was really weird. And then literally, um, and then, but this was before got, everything like went crazy. It was, it was before it was before. Wow. And literally like two weeks later, I get back to Atlanta or a week after I get back to Atlanta and there goes the pandemic and the city shutting down. And in New Orleans, you know, Atlanta, everybody started shutting down. And I talked to Stella later on. She said, did I tell you? I'm like, yeah. I mean, I had to listen to you, although I didn't understand why I was doing it. But you were telling me, hey, something's going on. Be careful. You know, so that happened. And then the first real thing that happened was um, after George Floyd was uh, murdered by the police officers, um, I I got... uh, What's her name? Uh, Selena Gomez, his manager, reached out to me and said, Selena's going to surrender her uh, IG, her uh, Instagram account, 
to uh, visual artists, anybody that's doing something, no, not visual artists, anybody that's doing something political, but she wants to start off by using one of your images. Wow. And she wanted your permission. Like, you know, and they have, she has like, uh, I want to say 700 million followers. Oh, so wow. I'm like, I don't, I don't imagine her, the followers of her following me, but who knows? <laughs> so it's like, hey, go ahead and do it, right? And so I did that. And what came out of that, which was fascinating, was her manager reached out again and said, um, Charlie, you're not, uh, you're not uh, certified. You're not official on IG. You don't have the official blue mark after your name. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. He said, okay, well, here, this is what you got to do. And he told me how to do it so that I could be the official Charlie Palmer. And fortunately, Knowing that and learning that made a world of difference because I didn't know how many people copy other people's names to use them. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so once they authenticate, say so you are the, the one and only Charlie Palmer, then, you know, I got that blue mark, but you'd be surprised how many, like every famous person out there has people that copy their name and put a one after their name or something. And you think you're communicating with them or you're whatever. And then, so that made a real big difference. And then shortly after that is when I, I think it was April 2nd, I, I, I'd seen a message that came in the day before from Sony saying, you know, John Legend would like for you to do uh, his CD cover. Are you interested? And I'm thinking like, okay, this is the day after April Fool's. <laughs> this, would be a, this would be a cruel ass joke for somebody <laughs> to do this, but let me reach out to them. And I reached out to them, spoke to uh, uh, this guy's name is Dave, Dave Brett. And they say, hey, man, I've been following your work for a long time. John wanted somebody to do this. Show John your work. And John said, yeah, let it, let it happen. Let, let him do it. And so that's, how, that's what happened. And so I, I got on the phone with John. You know, what was really great was um, Dave immediately sent me uh, through SoundCloud the music that had not been heard by the world yet. Oh, wow. And so I had a chance to listen to it. And I fell in love with it. And like, this is some wonderful music. And I was already a John Legend fan. And so I was like, cool. And so get on the phone with John um, after listening to the music and said, by the way, huge fan, love this new CD, fantastic music, my favorite one, tell him which one that my wife and I danced to the first time we heard it. And then um, mentioned that I had just come back from South Africa. John said, oh, South Africa, what part? I said, well, we spent most of the time in Joburg, but um, we went to uh, Cape Town because the landscape there is absolutely amazing. And I needed to get to document some images and everything like that. And I said, I didn't know why I was taking the pictures I was taking. And lo and behold, the reality is full circle. A lot of what I in, uh, in, like incorporated into John Legend's CD, and if you get the album, you can get it for $27 at most stores. And you open it up, there's a spread. And it's, it's a landscape of South Africa of pictures that I took because John Legend said, hey, you know, South Africa is my second biggest market market in the world. Wow. You know, <laughs> he said that. It's like, I got it. The universe is saying, listen, fool, like, <laughs> like this. Big thing, and I'm going to send you stuff. I'm going to send you people. I'm going to send you opportunities. And, and, and that's kind of what happened. So I have told John, I said, hey, there's a really great album that I've always loved looking at uh, called Bitches Brew. And that's um. Um, you know, um, Miles Davis, Miles Davis yeah. and I don't, um, John was not familiar with it. So he Googled it and looked at it. Oh, I love it. I said, I want to incorporate that flavor into your album. And that's what happened. Wow. That, that's, that's, it's amazing how much that, those connections, um, you were basically set up to succeed. You know what I'm saying? By the universe, just mm -hmm. by, 
mm-hmm. like series of decisions that you didn't even you didn't even know were the right things to do, like going around taking those pictures and being in Africa mm-hmm. and, and kind of getting that inspiration. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm learning, man. I'm learning to just listen and and and, and feel the spirit because it's always there. So there's some of the, the if if people that haven't seen the the bigger love album cover, it's it's pretty pretty nice. <laughs> it's, a, it's one of the one of the one of the great paintings that you did. Oh, there was flowers from South Africa too. Yeah, that, that's that's the uh, national flower. That's Potia uh, flower. That's from South Africa. And I took. I'm looking one day and I'm like, hey, what is that? She said that's the national uh, flower of South Africa. So I'm like, oh, it's beautiful. It's different. And I took pictures of it. And that's part of the cover. And, so. and with the other revelation, it's like traveling out of the country. I'm like, hey, I, I, I need my work to be more like universal uh, because I'm always like, like my, my last series on the silent series had to do with American flags, stars and stripes. And it's like, you know, and I'm like, I realized while I was out there in the world, it's like, you know what? Black is universal. Black is everywhere. It has influenced everything. We may not get the credit for it, but it's like, so I came, came back realizing that black is universal. And then I had already started thinking about that when, like, when Missy Hustle uh, was killed, I incorporated the a galaxy into his beard. When Kobe Bryant uh, uh, died, and my wife happened to be in South Africa when he died, and she called me from there saying, Kobe Bryant died. I'm like, what? And I look it up, and sure enough, I did a piece where I incorporated the universe. I said, because the universe right now is shifting. There's something major about to happen. And this is before the pandemic, man. I promised this conversation took place. I was like, I don't know what's going on, but something big is happening. And so if you go to uh, even the John Legend uh, art, you'll see the universe is in his head. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah. That's awesome. And so where, where, where do you think that symbolism came from? What was just about being connected to like what you were saying before, like the, the kind of universal truth for the ancestors. Yeah. You know what? So I don't think it's a coincidence that his, his album is called bigger. Wow. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence. If you, there's a really, uh, blackest King, if you go to Beyonce's song bigger, which I think might be the first song on the CD, mm-hmm. listen to that song, listen to that song. And then that's the message that, uh, my wife and I did a lecture recently and I said, is there a song you want to start this lecture with? It's like, yeah, let's do uh, Bigger by Beyonce. Uh, I said, because the message is there. You know, it's, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger. And it's like, yeah, so my role on this earth, this planet, isn't about me. Uh, and if I can understand that and get out of the way, watch what's going to happen. And that, I think that's the message more than anything. It's like if you realize it's not about you. So a lot of things that I do, a lot of decisions I make now, I have to ask, how is it going to affect not only me, but how is it going to affect uh, my people? And my commitment is very much about what can I do to enlighten, to inspire, to make a difference for my people. Jerry Lynn, artist based in Dallas, Texas, and you listening to Studio Noise. Yeah, so I think that does that bring us up to the Time Magazine cover? Like, was that the next uh, kind of shooter drop? Yeah, so let me tell you, let me tell you what happened with that. See, the same thing would happen. I got a call from this guy's name is uh, 
uh, D.L. Pine. He was the, he's art director. He, I guess he used to be with the AJC here. And so he called me up and he said, hey, we're doing a special issue on race relations. And I've been following your work. I'm wondering if you would be interested in doing the cover. You know, I'm like, yeah, like, yeah right. Uh, let me think about that a little bit. Um, <laughs> but it's like, it's like, would you be interested? And I'm like, so we talked about it. And he was saying, you know, he wanted me to go back to what I had been doing with the stars. I mean, the, you know, American flag and stars. I'm like, I, I can do that. And I can visualize it because it really is about, you know, how this whole thing, um, you know, again, George Floyd's uh, murder and everything has affected everything. And so it's like, yeah, I, I see a couple of images already. So I said at one point after we were wrapping up the conversation, I said, so you must have seen uh, the John Legend um, cover. He says, you did a John Legend cover? I'm like, no, wow. he didn't, he didn't know. even know. He didn't even know. So I was like, okay, I, 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 I'm going to listen. I'm going to continue to listen and be receptive to whatever subtle things and sometimes outward, outright clear things, including marrying my wife. Uh, when y'all tell me to do it, I, I better stop questioning it and just doing do what I'm being told to do. Yeah, that's crazy. So you said that that was like a, a much easier process for you. Like kind of how do, how does the process of doing a Time Magazine cover go? So uh, when he told me, you know, it was, it was about race and uh, being black in America. And so I immediately sat down I uh, reached out to a real good friend of mine who's a fantastic uh, 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 Atlanta photographer, Melissa uh, Alexander, Phyllis Iller. Phyllis Iller. And said, I, yeah, I reached up and said, hey, uh, give me as many images as you can. I need black people. I need black children. And then I took that and started sketching out. I sketched out about eight rough ideas. Um, and the one that they chose, ironically, was initially going to be a, a black woman. But then I also was thinking about the idea. It's like, I know I'm a product of the 60s and I'm angry that the idea that I'm still talking to little people who are afraid and afraid because they're black. And that enrages me. That angers me that we're still having to deal with these issues, still having to have these conversations. So that was kind of where the idea. So he said, instead of a woman, let's make it a little, a little child. And so I, I went back to Melissa again and say, hey, Lucis, I want to use your daughter. I don't, mm. I don't want any other child. I want to use your daughter because she's been my muse many a time anyway. And I said, now I don't need you to get out the fancy camera. Just get the camera phone and just take some profiles and three quarter shots of her. And, you know, I'm on roll with that. And I think that's what she did. I'm, I'm pretty sure she used just her phone. And I, I mean, because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And uh, so that's what, that's where the cover is, is, is uh, Melissa's daughter. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy, yo. Big shout out to Melissa, yo. Big Mill. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's was And so I always I always tell people about how fast you are. Like that whole process, how long did it take? I don't know how much trouble I would get into if I said how little time <laughs> it takes. Uh, I mean I do like like uh I had an artist friend over one day and I said, You you're a beast. We all be talking about how you be working. And it's like, you know what? I just um, I, I operate, and I'm going to go to the, the uh, uh, Hamilton's one of my favorite plays. And Hamilton has a song that says, "Why do you write like you're running out of time?" Mm. And that's how I paint. I, I I've seen um, dear ones in this last five months die left and right, 
and it's like, damn, I got, I still got some paintings in me. And I've always operated that way. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. And so I want to get as many of these out of me before I'm gone. And so what was fascinating about like the Time uh, magazine cover, it literally, and I did two versions. I did uh, eight sketches. And I did uh, um, probably six or seven tighter black and white pieces. But I did two covers. One was a quarter view or a, a three-quarter view, and one was a profile. And um, I did those in two days. And the reason I did, it took, I mean, I, I intentionally did it. It was like, listen, that was the same weekend that uh, Donald Trump was having a, uh, a rally in, rally in, um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, mm. right? Yeah. And it was like, something's going to step off. Something crazy going to happen. <laughs> and I'd already been told, hey, if something major in news happens in the news cycle, we're going to bump the illustration and we're going to do something completely different. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to sit up here and spend my weekend trying to get these paintings done. And, you know, something major happens. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed with what did happen. You know what I mean? Like, cause these, these young people came up with this creative way to squash that event. And it was a creative, nonviolent way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. damn, it was clever as hell. Yeah. You know, man, I had, I had, my niece reached out and said, uh, Uncle Charlie, you need to go online and order five tickets to the Donald Trump, uh, you know, thing in, 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 in Tulsa. I'm like, why would I do that? <laughs> and she said, this is what we're doing. And it was like, oh, damn, that's brilliant. And that's what happened. So I, I, I thought it was great. So I thought that's enough news to bump me. And so I got a call on Monday and he said, hey, move forward because it looks like it's going to be your art. Uh, we will know for sure by Tuesday morning. And, and so uh, Tuesday morning, he called and said, it's official. You're going to get the cover. Wow. That was it. Yeah. Man, you did all those paintings in, in like two days? Yeah, man. I mean, because once you get into a groove, you get into a groove. When I right. get into a groove, it just it just flows. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nah, man, that, that's true. And I, 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 and I wouldn't necessarily believe it unless I had seen it for myself, <laughs> for myself. but I, but yeah, but I've seen you like get down and finish paintings in a day, uh, or, or less than that, uh, multiple paintings. So yeah, so I've, I've yeah, seen how you work. So you get in, you get in that mood and, and get going. Has it always been like that for you? Uh, once I got an understanding of how to do this, yes. Once it got to the point where it's like I I know what I'm doing I don't I don't waste strokes, and a lot of my work is done in my head before I actually execute it, and so I kind of know what things are going to look like. And I promise you, nothing ever turns out how I see it in my head, and that is exciting to me uh, to know that I got to keep doing it because it didn't quite hit where I thought it was going to hit or say what I wanted to say. And so that just gives me the uh, the desire to continue doing it until I get it right. And that's what that's the other thing that's going on with all my work. I'm working until I get it right. Mm -hmm. And I honestly don't think I've gotten it right. Yet. Wow! Even after all this time, like all the pictures that you do, like you still get. Uh, is it is it just a hesit? Uh, like what is it? Like describe the feeling. The thing is, it's like I always talk about. Um, um, there was a famous. Uh, director, actor, or Orson Welles did a um, classic movie called the uh, Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane, yeah. And he, Citizen Kane, he produced it at 26 years old. 
and never produced another great piece of work. And I'm like, you know what? I do not want to peak until I'm on my deathbed. When I'm on my deathbed, perhaps at that point, I've created one masterpiece and know I can go creating that one masterpiece. You know what I mean? And so the, the desire is to create something that just thoroughly impresses the hell out of me. And I've not done that yet. But that's, that's the motivation for me. It's like, keep doing it. I see work that's like, damn, that's really a good piece. But it's like, I see other works by other people. Like, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to get to that amazing point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I get that same feeling when I look around and see people making stuff. Uh, especially like it's mm-hmm. funny that you mentioned that we're talking about painting so much because I've started painting. You know what I'm saying? My my especially is printmaking, but I uh, because of COVID, I kind of switched and didn't have access to my press, so I kind of switched over to I have to make something, and so I picked painting back up uh, like I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now it looks completely different, but I find myself um, like studying like a lot of different people. Uh, like you, like um, in a lot of classics too, where like um, Louis Malu Jones and um, and David mm-hmm. Driscoll and people like that that uh, have done a lot of painting and kind of searching for a way to express myself what I'm feeling uh, properly, if if that's even the right word for it, because it's not it's not it's not a you know not a right or wrong way to do it, but it's just a way that feels like this it's, is resolved. It's your voice. Yeah. How, how do you find your voice? Because like I told you, when I saw the paintings that you had done, it, it has all that to it. I can see it. It's like, okay, I can see the influence of Driscoll. I can see the, uh, the influence of Louis Milo Jones. I said, but I see something that's him. And maybe it's the heavy black line, but the black line also is Driscoll. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, yeah. but I think that he's going to keep painting. And then all of a sudden, boom. And then, but I think those abstracts. I'm like, damn. Okay, I like what's going on here. So it's like, <laughs> it's really fast. Watch any artist just paint and yeah. produce and you say, where are they going with this? And you kind of like, when they get there, it's like, Oh, you know, like, and I, I love that. I love seeing that, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. And, and you've been, well, I'm, I'm going to jump back around a little bit. So after like, you kind of finished these like bigger projects and um, like all this attention kind of got your way. What do you think changed for you? If anything, well, you know what? Uh, I, the world knew who I was, and so the demand for what I—I had—I had paintings that have been sitting around that I produced. Like I got a big show coming up all the time, and so I, I got to a point where it was like um, I could name my number, and work was flying out of here. Wow! Uh, again, it was a blessing. Um, pieces that have been sitting around, pe- people have been looking at paintings. I'm gonna get that now, and so a lot of that happened. You know, um, I couldn't tell you like between uh, the John Legend because John Legend, what he did, which was really crazy, was he released the artwork a week before he released the music. Yeah, I remember. And that. so he, he was just like you know artwork done by Charlie Palmer. I'm like, okay, everybody's trying to figure out who the hell is Charlie Palmer. <laughs> so then it was already this, like, who is this guy? And that started something. And then with the Time Magazine, it became this whole another thing where people like, and I'm, I'm throwing numbers out there because at first it's like, do I want to hold on to these covers? And I'm like, you know what? If I do, it's going to have to be this number. And so I put those numbers out there and like, like the Time Magazine sold the same day. And I'm like, wow. I kind of, that was cool, but at the same time, it's like it went that quickly. And so I didn't have a chance to even enjoy that, that cover art. You know what I mean? The original. <laughs> so yeah, it's changed. 
like the, the man uh, uh, galleries I hadn't heard from in 25 years and say, uh, wonder if I could get some more. I'm like, you ain't all in 20 years. And now you asking for, I had one gallery. I mean, I, cause I had to reach out to all my galleries and say, Hey, everything has gone up in price. And one gallery said, well, I don't have any client base that can pay that much. I said, then you just have to return the art. Um, because I mean, and I always have operated as it's business. And so like, it's really hard. Like there were times I was going through anxiety and stress and everything through this because it was a huge demand, a lot of requests, a lot of people asking for favors, um, not being able to meet the demand, not wanting to, to, to miss that window of opportunity and everything like that. So it was a lot of stress going on, but it was also business. And so nothing personal. If I say, I need you to return my artwork, it's not that I don't like you. It's like, I got somebody that wants to buy it and there's, there's no reason for you to hold on to it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a, a side that we don't always hear. Right. Um, from people as they uh, achieve like a level of success. We always hear about the relatively good stuff. Right. You know what I'm saying? Prices, work is moving like my life is great. Um, you know, I'm feeling good, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But um, but the distress you're describing uh, is kind of that anxiety of being able to meet the demand. Uh, I think that's interesting because I wouldn't expect it from you. You know what I'm saying? Just because of how prolific you are and how much work you do put in and how much work that you have, frankly, that you have in inventory. Yeah. Now, like, I wouldn't, I you wouldn't know, expect that from, from you in particular. You know what, like really honest and like, cause one of the things that we, we don't address a lot what's going on with this pandemic and everything is mental illness right? and mental health. And like, I sat here one day and was trembling my heart was like beating hard and I, my, I, I couldn't draw or anything but my hand was shaking. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, I'm like, I never, like, but I could not function. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And it was that like, I would come home some nights uh, and my wife would be like, uh, how'd it go today? And like, I had, I, I left home at eight and got home at eight. And I, if I was lucky, I got two hours, maybe of painting. And the rest was, answering lots of phone calls and requests and like, oh, it was some interviews. It was a lot of stuff. And I'm like, I'm not doing the thing that I enjoy doing, mm. you know? And I, fortunately I already had in place a project manager. So I'm like, I'm going to need you to kind of take on some of this stuff. And I'm going to have to let people know that they cannot get, that's where also people don't understand. I can't give everybody direct access to me. Right. And it sounds arrogant as hell. It sounds like, you know, you can see it and all shit. He got a big head because he all famous. <laughs> I'm like, oh, y'all stressing me the hell out. You know, y'all are calling me I want to talk to me. Some of y'all don't want anything. And it's like, and I got constant knocking at the door and requests and money being offered to me. And I can't get to it because of all the other things that are going on. And we're dealing with the pandemic. And I'm trying to work in my studio and people are coming by and I'm like, yeah, y'all, y'all keep, I can't have visitors come in here. I, I'm not trying to get the Roni, you know what I mean? I don't want the bad but people are coming by and it's like, so all of that is happening. It's like, oh, so it was, it was, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. Nah, and I appreciate you being honest about that. Cause I mean, that, I think that's a feeling that, that I had too, like I'm um, going on for a mm-hmm. while. Like I was just so concerned with, uh, am I going to be able to, take care of these kids and, you know, do what I used to do mm-hmm. um, because I'm, I'm not nowhere near on the level that you are, but I make a, make most of my money 
selling artwork, like making art and doing shows and kind of mm-hmm. all that stuff goes mm-hmm. away. Like, what do I do? Like as a as a man, as a father, head of my household or joint head of my household with my wife, uh, like, what do you do? What do you how do you maintain? So it's like I'm not not glad that you have that consideration, but it's good to hear that you're not alone. And I think a lot of people, if they're listening to this, need to hear that, too, is that all those feelings that they were feeling, that anxiety, like that anxiety is spread across the entire world um, mm-hmm. until we get it under control. Yeah, man. I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, recently uh, in my building, somebody uh, tested positive. Mm. And uh, uh, it was funny, like uh, the person had a key to one of the other spots in the building that I had loaned him. And so he sent me a text saying, uh, hey, I tested positive. And uh, before I could even say, keep the key, he said, but don't worry, I stuck the key under your door. <laughs> and I'm like, what the doing in the building? You know what I mean? <laughs> and so uh, that key sat on the floor until today. And I didn't even touch it, but one of my studio mates came in. I said, here, sterilize it and everything before you touch it. But I had not touched that. I kicked it to the side. I'm like, I'm not touching that. Because, uh, I mean, it's like, but the reality is that, no, that I'm, I'm seeing it almost take people away, and I've seen it take people away. Yeah. And so there's a lot we're dealing with. We're dealing with, you know, um, too many loved ones I've seen get laid off and, and not have enough in the bank account to kind of figure out what's next. I've seen a lot go on, and I'm, I'm riding this high and watching these amazing things happen for me and feeling like I think I mentioned, man, a certain sense of guilt. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, why is it going so well for me right now? I see everybody else having such a hard time, and I don't even want to talk about it. So it's like, 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 yeah. If you know me, you know that I'm, I'm a fairly private person anyway. Yeah. So I don't really want the fame, and I really don't want the attention. I just want to have the time and the space to produce art. That's my joy. That's my escape. Yeah, that's that's the dream. That's what that's what we all like looking forward to. But it, um, I mentioned this on an, on another podcast, but um, it's kind of incumbent on you to do whatever it takes to give you that time. And um, and yeah. part of your story, I think, it was was great. Is that you? This didn't just happen to you. Like even though you know, what I'm saying like a lot of stuff like happened in sequence uh, to get you to this this you know high that you describe it. Like you've been on this grind for what 40 years like you've been doing this like a long time so even producing at the time when people didn't want it like producing at a time that got you even to the level to be able to create what you're creating now uh i think that's amazing you know you know what one of the other things also there is like uh i'll be speaking with uh karen uh alone uh in a couple of weeks and one of the things she, I told her, I, I never want to know the questions in advance, but she slipped out one of the questions. And I'm like, that's a really good question, but guess what? I, 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 I'm, I hope you remember that question because your answer, my answer is going to surprise you. Mm. Um, it, 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 it's like, like I, I talked to a, a, a fellow artist who's an amazing um, um, children book illustrator who went back and got his, uh, his master's in studio art. And he said the same thing. Everybody says, Charlie, you're a successful artist. And my, my thought is, well, you know, in a way, success is relative, you know, like, but making the big dollars, it's, it's a really new experience for me. Making a living and making a pretty decent living is just something I've done for a while. But making really good, 
like you know, numbers, it, it's it's a whole new thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned like books, man. I, I guess we'll talk about that a little bit. Like you, you've had a, a run of books and I think you are working on like multiple books. See, you, you mentioned, and maybe this was in the last podcast you were on talking about getting more right. to illustrating uh, and that kind of stuff. You already won like the Coretta Scott King Award for your, the last book. What was the name of it? Uh, Mama Africa, the yeah. story of Mary McKeever. Yep. And so tell us, like, what are, what are your plans like in going in that direction? Are you still thinking about it? Yeah, I am. But I think I want to do more direct at this point. Like, I need to focus more on just really being with children. This whole idea, because I really want to do children's books. But now I'm at a point where I, I'm having to turn them down because children's books are a lot of work. Mm. And they're very time consuming. And you want them to be strong. You want them to be right. So I'm wrapping up um, a book that I wrote. Uh, and illustrated called the legacy, the, Le- the legend of gravity. But I'm also working on this fantastic book that I, I'm pretty close to done with called, uh, keep your head up. And I just got like the next couple of days, I think I'll be done with th- those two. And then, uh, I have a couple that I have that are due next year, but I don't think I'm going to take on anymore because I really want my free time. I want to spend it with children and family and, uh, a probably cut down my, my workload so that I'm painting a little less than what I'm doing right now. So as you, as you switch it up, do you feel like you're painting more for the demand or more for like your purpose? Um, some of the, my personal work. Yeah. Your personal work. I mean, cause, cause yeah, the, that's, that's the Charlie, the Charlie, I, I'll tell you the Charlie that I know is always in the studio because you feel the need to be in the studio. Like you still have, like you said before, something that you're looking to express something that you're willing to get off your chest. You're looking to create that masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, has the the purpose changed slightly uh, as you've been going through the kind of this busy period? You know what? It, it, it has. Um, I, the work is not dictated by who's going to buy it or what people will like. I'm still very much listening to my spirit when it comes to the works that are being produced. Um, but it is like, you know, I'm going to slow down so that I can put more time into family. Uh, but I don't think I'll miss it because I know I, I want to have more time to do the things that I want to do with, with black kids. I want to get out there and teach classes with black, do workshops with black, not only black kids, it's like if it's young professionals, if I got something I can give to black folks, I'm going to give it to them. You know, I mean, I, I had a call from uh, a colleague and a friend of mine in Wisconsin who teaches at a, a nice, a, a well-known art school. Um, it's called Myad in Milwaukee. And he said, hey, would you be willing to talk to my class? And I'm like, uh, what, what is the percentage of black students in the class? He said, well, the class I teach has no black kids. I said, and I'll have to res- respectfully decline mm. uh, because my energy and my focus is giving back to black people. And if I have a gift to give, I'm going to give it to black people. And so it was funny. What was funny is he literally called me two days later and said, okay, I got you a group of black kids. I'm like, okay, that. It literally helped me. Let's make it happen. What can we do it? You know? <laughs> you know, and like, like, like talking to my wife, my, my daughter one day said, well, Papa, you're a racist. I'm like, no, I'm not. I said, what, I, it, what it is is that I absolutely love black people. And I live for black people. And I'm going to put all of my energy into black people. Um, you know, like, uh, I don't think they put much energy into loving us. And I'm tired of asking for that. I'm, I'm tired of asking to be understood or accepted. Mm-hmm. I'm more about, hey, do for us. 
ourselves. Let's figure out ways that we can create for ourselves. And that's what my focus is. And I think we have enough um, people like you, like enough talent, enough um, energy, you know what I'm saying, enough resources that if we did start to just feed back into ourselves, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, the way they talk about circulating the dollar, we can circulate our energy, we can circulate our time, but we can circulate our our talents back into the community and and really uh, lift up everybody else to where we want to be. You know what? And see, that's the other thing I, I didn't even t- touch on, it and I'm going to now. Um, it's like I have what's called the Irma Foundation that I helped develop. Develop. My my wife was very much involved with that, and like incorporated and everything like that. But my mom, who, her name is Irma, uh, she took in a lot of foster kids, and she created foster programs for placement and everything like that. As I was growing up, so there are several brothers and sisters that became you know, that my mom picked up and now they're brothers and sisters in our family. And so I named it the Irma Foundation, but I kind of like, what what can the Irma Foundation do or be that doesn't already exist? And I was watching this this uh, documentary on, on, on Netflix called Move, and it's about dance. And in the first episode, the first seven minutes, 50 seconds, answered exactly what it, what it was. And what it was was an interview with one of the young black dancers mom who said that when I was young, I wanted to be a dancer, but I was afraid to pressure and put that, that responsibility on my parents because I knew they could not afford it. And so I gave up that dream. And I'm like, why is it that we, black people, we have to give up our dreams? Why do our kids have to give up their dreams? And it's like, so the Irma Foundation will be about finding funds so that we can help black kids live their dreams whatever those dreams might be, because it may not be art. It may not be dance. It might be computers. It might be writing. It could be whatever it is, but it's like we will find a way and we will find these resources so that these kids and everybody I talk to, at some point, everybody black that I've spoken to at one point says, you know what, that happened to me. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I couldn't do those classes. Because they, I had a friend of mine here one day who's an artist saying that my, my daughter's a fantastic uh, tennis player. Uh, but those them tennis lessons cost seven hundred dollars a month. I'm like, damn. But we got to figure out a way so we can make sure they take those tennis lessons. You know? Yeah, yeah, and really cultivate, cultivate, and, and give them the opportunity to make it. Because uh, I think that's the uh, that is always the biggest reason. One reason why I started this podcast because it's not the fact that mm-hmm. there are no black artists out there, no black creators out there making stuff. Is that we are making stuff and we never. Or almost never get the opportunities to really be put our talents on display and let people know who we are mm-hmm. and where we are and kind of, you know, getting your voice out there. And that, that's that's always the biggest difference is just having a chance. Like, look at Issa Rae. Issa Rae was making Awkward Black Girl on YouTube for years. Mm-hmm. It was it was a mild success, but it wasn't uh, insecure. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like all right. the movies and stuff that she's doing now. She's always had that talent and ability. She just needed the opportunity to get in there and show it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it's about, man. It's like we we got to create spaces and places and everything and working out the details so we can, you know, make that happen. You know, I had that experience. My wife had that experience. I was talking to my uh, book agent. She had that experience. It's like, you know what? You know, fortunately, we found something. But it was like, that was something else that I wanted to do. Nina Simone said that about even, you know, um, she was, she wanted to be a, a classical pianist. 
but it, 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 what she it didn't allow her, so she had to do what she could with her gift. Right. Thank goodness, in a way, the selfishness that we have to embrace. But it was like that's not what she wanted to do, you know. Mm, that's something. So as we get out of here, uh, I got one more question for you, man. What do, what would be like your ultimate dream project? Like you talked about being able to make a masterpiece on your deathbed or whatever. Hope that don't happen no time soon. But what is the, what is kind of the piece that you think uh, would be a crowning achievement for you? Man, you know, that is a really good question. I, I love this. When questions like that, we just kind of have to pause and say, okay, um, I am so proud whenever I encounter somebody that I mentor succeed. And so that is the greatest achievement I could ever have. Mm. It's watching it with, with pride. Like I tell some of them, like I'm looking at my kid here and they're looking at me like I'm weird, but I'm like, no, I just don't understand. I, I, I believed in you and I'm seeing you do what I thought you could do. That's more important to me than any success that I could now have. Cause I've been on time magazine cover, man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That's amazing. That's a great word to leave it with Charlie. I appreciate you, man. Coming on the podcast, man. As always, man, you, your mentor, your brother, man. I love you, man. I love you too, man. I appreciate the call for sure. that's it another episode of studio noise in the bag big shout out thank you to mr charlie palmer for coming on the podcast y'all make sure y'all go check him out i uh, see all this good work you be doing love to see people elevating getting their just deserves working hard and, and getting the reward you know light at the end of the tunnel you know hopefully we all get there hopefully we all get there you know what i mean and so i know after such an amazing interview, I know you're waiting so patiently for the next uh, episode next week. And, you know, it's coming. I guarantee you. And next week we'll have Miss Sachi Rome on the podcast. She's doing some great work. So we get to talk to her about her new series, Anything But a Brush, all that good stuff. You'll be back. Come back next week. We, we got another one for you, another heater. In the meantime, between time, y'all need something to listen to. Um, like I said, I was in a funk. Uh for for a long time even through thanksgiving so i needed to do some stuff so i end up watching a lot of stuff with my kids you know just relaxing uh enjoying the moment as it go and i watch into the spider-verse into the spider-verse is a great movie y'all I, I loved it it cheered me up it's quickly becoming one of my favorite animated movies one of my all-time movies of all time a go-to so i'm sorry i'm telling you this week you need some list to in your studio listen to the Inch of the Spider-Verse soundtrack. You can find it on your, all the DSPs. You can check it out. Everyone here, we believe in you. Know you can be a hero because we see you do it. And this is the time that we needed you. Everyone is here to see you move. We winning, we winning, we winning. We put a world on the way. And every time you swing through the city, you are saving a day. Let's go. I
for the town Now there's no villains allowed Everyone cheering the crowd But I'm still way up, I'm over the clouds We had a fight for the city Competition was lethal Honestly, it's no biggie I had to do what all leaders do that's definitely a fun soundtrack, yo. They got a lot of upbeat songs in there. Give you some energy while you're in the studio. You might make some crazy, crazy stuff in the studio this week, yo. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the Studio Noise Podcast. Please take a second wherever you're listening to this podcast. If it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening, why don't you take a second, hit that subscribe. If you can, go ahead, write, go ahead, give us a good rating, write a review, get us pumped up in the charts, let everybody know about the noise. Tell two friends, yo. This artist talk, man. Somebody out there, some artist that you know is out there. They need this talk, yo. Go make sure you share it with them. Check us out on IG at Studio Noise Podcast. And you can send us an email, Studio Noise Podcast at gmail.com. Of course, you can find your boy on all your social medias at J Barber Studio. And to all my artists out there, I just want to take a second. Uh, call your mentors up, yo. Call them up. Um, let them know what they did for you. Let them know that they that you fed into them, that you heard them. You know what I'm saying? You might have been a little hard-headed about it, right? <laughs> but you listen and tell them that you're thankful that they were there for you. Uh, and you never know when that last conversation will be your last conversation. So um, make sure you do that. You know, tell them you love them. And tell them you love them. And tell them uh, you're going to keep making that noise. Guaranteed. Keep making that noise, baby. It's Studio Noise. We'll see y'all next week. Peace.